Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Church in the Valley. Glad that you guys are here. Happy Mother's Day to the mothers in the house. Um, I uh, asked my daughter a couple days ago, actually it was yesterday, I said, Katie, tomorrow's Mother's Day. Do you know why we celebrate Mother's Day? Because Jesus died on the cross. I was like, well, that was two weeks ago, Easter. Today we celebrate Mom. So we are really glad you guys are with us uh, to worship with us here at Church in the Valley. I wanted to give you an update on um, Pastor Randy Lanthrop, the senior pastor here at CIV. I'm going to be speaking for him today. Um, he is in India. He let you guys know that uh, last week. He's an opportunity to, to be there to really talk about the importance of value-shaping churches, value-shaping businesses, really organizations that do things in a way that... Um, reflects a love for God and a love for people. And he did a conference um, technically yesterday and today. Um, they're about 12 hours ahead in India. Um, through technology, yesterday I got a text message from an IM that he gave to me through his computer. So I was able to interact with him a little bit. Said things were going very well, that the people who were at the conference um, had received them well, uh, enjoyed uh, what they had to say. And so if you guys could just pray for continued protection in the rest of the trip, uh, he's going to be coming home later uh, this next week. But very grateful to hear about how it went and really how the people there in India are starting to get a glimpse for, for what it means to start churches that really do try to shape the culture. So why don't we pray for, for Randy and the rest of the guys right now. God, we do thank you for this morning and for the many blessings that you've given us. Uh, in this country, thank you for the freedom that we have to worship you, to gather together in your name, uh, free of persecution. And God, we do pray for those around the world who don't have that luxury, who are under intense stress uh, because they've decided to follow you. But I do thank you for people that have decided to share the good news of your son, Jesus Christ, throughout the earth as you've commanded us. And I do pray for all the guys there in India uh, for continued safety and energy um, as, they, as they continue to, to meet people, as they continue to minister to Tim Shang, who's really trying to start uh, a movement there in India. I, I pray a blessing upon all those men and for safe travel as they come home. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. I'm going to continue in a message series that Randy started uh, two weeks ago. Uh, we've been launching a series called The Power to Bounce Back from Anything and talking about uh, each of us have a little bit of power to, to bounce back from the circumstances we face. Um, we can recover from things that happen in our life, things that are tough, things that are difficult. Uh, we can recover to a certain degree. Uh, in this series, we've been looking at the fact that God doesn't want us just to recover a little bit from the things that we face, the stresses we experience. But actually, he wants us to recover further past than when we fell. So as we fall, God wants us to, to overcome the things that we stumble upon, the things that we experience, to actually bounce back. Um, there's something in our culture that we love, the idea of power, especially hidden power. I'm holding in my hand a 1965 version of the Super Bowl with the secret ingredient, Zectron. I'm not making this up. This is a true story. This was made, and this was at the time, the premier Super Bowl. It was said if you slammed it down on the ground to be able to go three stories high. 
That's amazing. I feel it. You got, wow, that's the most cool thing I've ever heard. Um, yeah, in fact, the, uh, the, the packaging says over 55,000 pounds of compressed energy. It's like, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you measure that, right? How do, how do you, you poke it and, pfft, oh, that was compressed. It was in there. At the time, it was said, too, in the original production, that it was, it was supposed to be able to bounce back 92% of the height that it was dropped. So if I bounced it here, 92 would be about here, let's say. You see, it, it, uh, it's old. Zectron has faded from the Super Bowl. But there's something in us that we may not be into collecting these because we grow up and we're called adults and we're not supposed to carry these around much. But um, there's something in us, though, that, that we are really looking for something with, with kind of a hidden power. Um, think about the movies we watch. We love those movies where somebody has this power to overcome. Uh, yesterday I was in uh, a, a, the gas station and I was looking for a drink, you know, like an energy drink. It's amazing. If you go to try to find an energy drink, say you want to you wake up and you just want to be a ferocious monster at work, you know, you can find a monster energy drink. I mean, isn't that so convenient? You know, or a Red Bull, it gives you wings, Right? It's amazing that the choices are, are endless. There's just the, these hidden ingredients. And every, you know, every can of energy drink I've ever looked at, it's, you, know, you have the daily percentages you're allowed. You know, 100% is the max. These things go like beyond 1,000%. Like you'll drink it and for four days you'll be feeling it. You know, buy two, get one free, and you're just all fired up. I'll have power. And you drink and, you know, you fall asleep right then. The sugar, you're just done. And the power doesn't last. And 92%, it just doesn't work. But there's something in us, in our life, if you're like me, there's just things where, things that I've just wanted to overcome for years, just, oh, why do I still struggle with that? Why does, I can't be as disciplined as I want to be. I'm frustrated just with, you know, progress. We're frustrated with where we're at. All of us have things that, that we wish we could overcome, things that we wish didn't bother us anymore, didn't plague us, and we just wish we, we could overcome, have the power, have something that could help us to launch past the difficult things that we face, even if it's ourselves at times. We're, we're, all, looking, we're all looking for that. In this message series, we're looking at the fact that Jesus has provided exactly what we need to bounce back. Uh, we may look for it within ourselves. We may look for it in other places. But as we dig into the Scriptures, we find that it is found within God Himself. Everything that we need to overcome, the progress that we want to make, we can make as we decide to do uh, things God's way. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, digging into that. Um, throughout history, people have wanted to know how to find power how to make progress. You see it in the development of nations. People are always wanting to improve, get better, grow in strength, numbers. And God knows that about us. He made us. He knows that there's something in us that we we want to grow, become stronger. And when you dig into Scripture, you find that He answers the questions that we ask. I'm going to launch that 80, 70, 60, 50% bounce back right there. Um, it, when you dig into scriptures, you find that he has 
given us the answer to the question we're asking. How, how do I really overcome? And I'm going to go through a story of a man that was asking a lot of the same questions we ask. There was a man named Nicodemus in Scripture in, chapter, uh, in the book of John. And Nicodemus was a, for all intents and purposes, he was a religious man. He was a Pharisee who followed intently the law of the Old Testament. Uh, the Pharisees were a group that weren't just following the law, but they, they made every intents and purposes to, to appear like they were doing as good a job as anyone, following the law to the T. In fact, adding laws so they would even be superior to just the normal spiritual people. So this guy was a, a spiritual guy. Wanted to live for God and wasn't quite sure how to do that. So he just followed all these laws, tried to do his best to be as spiritual as he could. In John chapter 3, we find that Nicodemus had heard about Jesus. And he had heard that this man was, was gaining a reputation for being powerful, for being able to do things that no one had done before. Miracles and influencing people. And Nicodemus was, was fascinated. And so he, he interacts with Jesus because he's, he's longing for this thing within us to, I, I want what you have. I want that power that you have. And this is, uh, this is what happens. I'm going to walk through this interaction and we're going to talk about it a little bit. Now there was a Pharisee a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So he was, he was high up. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus replies, How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. You see, what's, what's going on right now is, is Jesus is very truly basically saying, what I'm about to tell you, I'm dead serious. This isn't a joke. Very truly, this is the real stuff. You need to be born again. And Nicodemus, like all of us, is like, I'm like a grown man. How does that happen? It doesn't make any sense to him. The funny thing is, is if you think about Jesus being fully God and fully man, if he's fully God, wouldn't he be the smartest man that ever lived on the face of the earth? The most intelligent. The genius. Yet he says this to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is like, you know, I've heard a lot of things about you, but I don't think you took biology. That cannot happen. So he's interacting with Jesus, and he's confused. And he says again, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, like, okay, I'm not kidding around. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So what Jesus did in this one interaction is took Nicodemus's preconceived notion of what it meant to be religious, what it meant to follow God, as far as following rules, trying your best, doing all that you can to appear holy, to appear spiritual. And this, he gives the picture of water and spirit. He touched on that water issue because the Pharisees were into the cleansing. You know, you're impure. You needed to wash yourself to be pure. It's kind of external. Spirituality by external means. 
And Jesus turns his very concept of what it means to be close to God, what it means to follow God. He turns it on his head and saying, you must start all over. You must be born again. And it makes no sense to Nicodemus. And it's kind of like me. As I approach God, I have kind of my own ideas about how it needs to go in my life. How I need to, to serve him. I have these ideas. Well, this is what I think. God and God says, well, very truly. You cannot do it within yourself. You must start all over again. This is, this is what's happening. If you're like me, a lot of times you face difficult circumstances, hard times in your relationships, in your, your work life. Things aren't going your way. It's leading to frustration. You start going to extremes. And then you just start to try to patch the problems. You know, a little duct tape there, a little wipe, wipe off the little dirt smudge. You're trying to patch just a little speck. But everything needs to be fixed, the whole thing. Uh, Thursday night, decided it's going to be Mother's Day. Let's do an art project. Um, that was like the, the highlight of it, and then it went downhill. And so we, someone shared an idea with me about, you know, get a, get a potted plant and like paint the kid's hands and then stick the hands on the, the pot and then get a plant. I'm like, this is the greatest idea ever. And then I did it. And um, something about paint with a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And I didn't have a plan. I had newspaper, baby wipes, and paint. And that was about it. And so we're out in public, in a public, you know, like courtyard area near stores. And I'm painting the hands of my kids just out in public with newspaper, winds blowing. And, and you know, it went well. And then my son's like, you know, this is great, you know, clapping, grabbing the chair with his... And so I'm, you know, it's Mother's Day, and you're going to cooperate because this is for your mother. And I'm getting wipes and wiping hands, wiping chairs, grabbing newspaper. It's, it's starting to go haywire. People are, are walking by, you know, rookie, what are you doing in public? And uh, it, it's, it's one of those where my, my son puts his handprint on the pot, and then he's like, Mee! you know, it looks like a pterodactyl with like a bird kind of thing. And it, I'm like, that's not a handprint. And I know my wife great, will graciously say thank you, but let's at least try to make this decent. So I'm grabbing a baby wipe. He puts his hand. I'm wiping it off. Do over. Do it again. And the kids are all, you know, stressed out. And but it's for mom. You're gonna like this. And um, you know, it was just bad experience. The kids actually enjoyed it, and my wife appreciated the gift. I'm never doing it again. Um, it, it was it was traumatic for me, but. But as I, as I was doing that, what I was trying to do was, I was th- I'm going to make this thing as best I can, and I, I, I have a baby wife, and I'm like wiping paint, you know, often. Really, the whole thing was just going south. But here I am trying to just patch that little errant thumbprint that's not supposed to be there, and, and the whole thing was just pretty messed up. I don't have a picture, because, you know, it's embarrassing, but... Um, that, that's kind of how it is. And this is kind of what Nicodemus is talking through. He's, he's saying, you know, Jesus, I, I've heard about the miracles that you've had. And, and he's kind of beating around the bush. And, and Jesus is saying, you, you want to know how you can actually have power and actually how you can change and make a difference? It's not patchwork, my friend. You have to completely change. You have to do over. 
You have to experience new life in your old life. This is a struggle for us, even today. This idea of, I don't want to deal with the whole issue of me and myself. I just kind of want to fix something right here. Patch it up, a little duct tape, and move on. The thing is, is we cannot bounce back if we don't deal with the issue of our whole self. And we, we need God's help to completely restore and change us from, from the inside out. Uh, we've been looking at this series at, at keywords that start with the, the letters RE, the prefix RE, which in the Latin means to turn back. And in this case, we're looking at words that literally mean to turn back to God. And the first week on Easter Sunday, uh, Randy talked about the resurrection and how Christ conquering death gives us the power to overcome even severe challenges and problems we face. The fact that he conquered death gives us hope. Last week, uh, Randy talked about repent, repentance, and how um, when we experience good grief, grief that, that actually can change us, um, we can find hope and begin to change. This week, we're looking at what Jesus was talking about, the idea of being reborn, which literally means you're, you're born again. You may have heard that phrase of what a Christian is, someone who is born again. This is where it comes from. This idea of a new life exists within the old life. So what does this mean? Essentially, being born again means that God himself, the Spirit of God, lives within you. The Spirit of God lives within you. You think, well, how how could that be? Let me just walk you through a little bit of what this picture of God is. Um, Many refer to it as the Trinity. How can God live within us when he's doing everything else in the world? Let me explain. Uh, In the Bible, God introduces himself as as one being, three distinct persons. See, in our terms, we're usually one being, one person. If you're one person with multiple beings or multiple beings with more than one, you know, start to get help after that. That doesn't make sense to us. You need help. But with God, this is the way he is. This is how he's introduced to us. Um, Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What do these three do? Well, the Father, he, he is the, he's the planner, the leader, the initiator. The Son, he, he implements the plan. And the Spirit, he applies the plan that the Father created, that the Son implements. The example is this. When I talk about the, the old life and having to redo the whole thing, the reason is, is in, our, in our old life, we, we've been tainted by sin. All of us have gone our own way, and we've fallen short of God's standard, and we've sinned and we've missed the mark. And so our, our old life is, is tainted, our natural desire to get what we want. The picture is this. We're in a lake middle of a lake drowning in our sin. Our breath is, is leaving us and we cry for help. And the way God works is the, the, the Father, He comes up with a plan to save us. It involves Jesus rowing out in the boat. Covers the distance from the shore to where we are, drowning. And then the Holy Spirit grabs our hand and he pulls us in. The Father had the plan. The 
son rode the boat to save us. That was Jesus coming on the cross. And then the Holy Spirit grabbed us, pulled us into the boat. That's how God himself works in us. When you commit your life to Christ, the old life has now come with a, a new life. And that is the Spirit of God. That is the hope that we have to change. But even knowing that, if you're like me, there's a part of me that just keeps wanting to do things on my own. My own way. My own strength. Things that make sense to me. And this, this, is, this is the battle. We're going to dig in a little bit into that. But the bottom line is the Holy Spirit gives us the willpower to change. The Holy Spirit gives us the willpower to change. This is what it means to bounce back. As you drop one of those super balls, as it goes down, that's the sinful way. We're down to the pit. As it springs back up, that, that's the new life. As we commit our lives to Christ as bosses, we begin to allow him to transform us from the inside out. We have that bounce back. This, this new life of God's spirit himself living within us is a, is a new will. It's a, a new volition. We lack the power within us to change. So he puts his spirit in us, God himself, his traits, his likeness, his will, through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't like a, an add-on fanny pack of spiritual Holy Spirit where you can just patch it on and take it off. No, when you commit your life to Christ, God himself lives in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. He's there forever. It's not something that you have to, an expansion pack of some kind. You have the help of God himself to make a difference, to change, to make better choices. That is true power. The idea of re, reborn, being born again, is, is really a great picture. When we had our daughter, our first child, I remember that, you know, the first day of her life. It was probably the most stressful time. You know, everything's haywire. You're not exactly sure what you're supposed to do. The head going to fall off. You know, that's what I was thinking. And I, I'm stressed out. So at the end of the day, here, I am stressed out on Mother's Day. It was really hard on me. Um, um, the, the end of the day, I go, go to bed. And, you know, you don't know what time it is. You know, you think you're in a different time zone. And I wake up in the middle of the night to this noise. And... It was my daughter crying. And I literally woke up. What? What is that? And, you know, right when I said it, I thought, well, that was maybe rhetorical, but that shouldn't have ever come out my mouth. And then my my wife graciously said. That's your daughter. And, and then I, oh. And I almost said, well, how do you get that to stop? But I thought better of it at the time. But. That, that's exactly like the new life. It was, it was as if the baby cried, and, and then right then I realized, oh, wow, we're, we're not handing her back. Like, she's ours. Like, we're the only ones in this room right now. That, that's what it's like, the new life in, in Christ, with the Holy Spirit living within us. The power we have is like a new life. It's a new reality. When you have a kid, it is a new reality that changes that's the same as you decide to walk with God. It's the same picture. So what does this change provide? Once you 
you have the Holy Spirit, once you decide to do things God's way instead of your own, the first thing is, is it, it gives you a new desire. John 3.8, this is a continuation of Nicodemus talking, or, or Jesus talking to Nicodemus. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Uh, this is his other description, Jesus' other description of, of this new life, comparing it to, to the wind. In fact, in scriptures, the Holy Spirit is often translated the, the same word as the wind. It's trying to show something that you can't see, but has power to move, has power to change. It's just like the wind in nature. You see a leaf, and it's not the leaf moving. It is the wind that's causing it to move. It's the same with the Holy Spirit within us. We have a new wind, a new power that causes change. That's where we get our hope from. What you find is you get a new desire, but it does not replace the old one. And this is where you continue to need the help of God. You have his spirit within you. You realize there is a battle, if you say, of, of these two winds that are competing to, to move you to where you need to go. The old way, you want to make choices based on what you want, putting yourself ahead of others, having goals that please you. In the new way, putting others before yourself, having goals that reflect God's priorities, not your own. And these things do battle. What Jesus is trying to communicate to Nicodemus through verse 8 is, right now, what I'm telling you makes no sense. And I know you've seen my power, but what I'm asking you to do makes no sense to you. But trust me, just because you cannot comprehend the effects are real same way just like you can't see the wind itself you see the effects of it and he's saying basically to nicodemus trust me you will be born again if you decide to choose my way and it will change your life trust me the effects are clear um but it's still a battle and we we find this in scripture uh, Galatians 5, 16 through 7, it gives a picture. You have a new desire, but it's not just the new desire that's replacing the old one. It's a new desire that now battles the old one. Galatians, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You have the Spirit of God when you decide to follow Him. But note, it's not assumed. It's saying you must walk in the Spirit. You must make choices in line with it. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. This idea of bouncing back and having power is not like a, a secret ingredient that you, you take and there's no other issues. It's basically saying you will have problems, trouble, desires that you don't want to have. You're going to still do things you don't want to do. But when you have the Spirit of God, you actually have God himself helping you to make choices that please him instead of yourself. So you actually can change. But you have to make those choices every day, and it's a battle. I had my own little battle this, uh, this last week with birds. This is a true story as well. If you get a picture of my life, here you go. Um, the, 
about a few days ago, I was walking into my porch, and on the ground there's like pieces of grass and like mud. I'm thinking, what, you know, what's going on here? And I look up and there's like the beginning of a nest, like my porch, a bird's nest. I'm thinking, wait a second, you know, this is where we live. You know, you can't live here too, little bird. And um, so I did what any guy would do. You know, I got a broom and I began to bang out the nest. Now, before you call the, you know, the animal cruelty people, it wasn't like built yet. It was like little dirt with like a piece of grass. There were no birds living there. But I decided, you know, before they get, you know, this is their home, I'll just make sure they realize it's not. So I began to bang with a broom and no joke. And someone after the first service said, you know what, those were swallows. So I was in like a swallow war. So I'm, I'm batting the nest and no joke, four swallows begin flying, doing like haymaker flight plans towards me. Just like, Pew! you know, and I'm, I've got my broom. And no joke, I'm, they're, they're eyeing me, like winking to each other, like you fly right, you fly right, and let's, you know. And I've got my broom and I'm, I'm like swinging, you know, like, whoa, no, you guys don't come in here anymore. And so I, I thought, you know, I, I won this. I swept it up. There's no wall. And I think even for, even just to play it safe, I got bug spray because I didn't have bird spray. I had bug spray and I thought, you know what? Nothing else. It's going to smell a little weird and they're not going to do it. So I bug spray the whole thing thinking this will add another layer of protection. Well, I guess bugs are for, bug sprays for bugs. And these are birds. I found out. They're not the same. So the next day I'm thinking, well, you know, if my broom didn't scare them off, the bug spray probably did. And I go, and I want to show you a picture of what happened next. Yeah, that, they live there now. And so I, I, if you want to come visit the Barretts or the Swallows, you can come visit us. This is exactly the picture of what it's like. The, the birds were determined they were going to get what they want. And I had my broom. I did it, and then I said, ah, okay, it's done. The next day, they said, no, it's not done. We live here. That's how it is with the old way, with sin. You have to continue to fend off, to continue to make the choices that reflect what God wants. God wants for your life, the priorities. So you get a new desire, but it's not replacing. It's now competing. It's a battle. So we have to continue to do that. If you want to change Know that with God's help, you can win the battle. You can make progress, but you will have to fight. The other thing that this does, um, as we have the Holy Spirit working within us, is that it provides change for a new schedule. The, the picture of new birth is the same thing. I tell as many couples that as I know that are pregnant, go to as many movies as you can, and go on as many dates possible. The end. Because once you have kids, it's not the same. You know, date nights are few and far between. And movies, it's a little more difficult. So I tell them, you, you go right now. You leave right here. You go see a movie. New schedule. That's what a new baby provides. A new schedule. It makes sense. The baby needs to eat. needs to be loved and cared for. Needs to be changed, needs to sleep, all of these things. It's the same when you decide to follow God and you have Him, the Spirit Himself living within you. You have the desire, a new desire, but this desire should drive you 
you change. And you can only change as you, you put God into your life. You put him into your schedule. You make him a priority. I heard this from Neil a few years ago. This was really helpful. He said, if it's not in your schedule, it's not in your life. He was talking about the things that are important to God. If, if you're not deciding when you're going to do that, whether it's reading the scriptures, whether it's sharing Christ with other people, whether it's praying, if it's not in your schedule, it's not in your life. Isn't that so true? You ever gone to a meeting you didn't know about? Me neither. You, you just, I wasn't there. How come? I didn't know about it. It's the same. Just because you, you, you have desire, that desire has to translate into what you build your life around, the priorities that you choose. First Peter 2 describes, describes this. Like newborn babies, again, you see the picture. Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. The picture is this. Tasting that the Lord is good is basically saying now that you've experienced that the Lord is gracious with you, now you know that he is willing to save you despite what you've done. Continue to follow him. Now that you know he's gracious, now that you know his track record, continue to crave pure spiritual milk. That's the idea of God's word. The truth found in scripture, we are to crave that. Crave in the original language, the Greek it was written in, greatly desire. Another word picture of it is to dote upon, which again, is just like you do a, a newborn baby. You want to hold the baby, you want to love the baby, you want to cherish it, you anticipate it, seeing it. That's not how I am usually when I think about reading the Bible. That's the picture of craving the Word of God, craving the Scriptures. It's like the anticipation of, of a newborn baby. You, you just want to be where that baby is. Same picture. You want to change. You have to crave the Word of God. Um, swallowing it and digesting it. If you've never spent time with God in the Scriptures... You need to get a Bible. We can help you with that. You need to think through, when, when could I read it? What could I read? How long? When am I going to do it? That's part of a new schedule, deciding how God and the truth he's given us in the scriptures, how is that going to fit into your life? If you need help with that, let us know on your connection card. We can give you some practical tools to assist you in that. Uh, Jesus himself knew the importance of the word of God. One of his lowest points, he was fasting for 40 days and he was in the wilderness by himself, isolated. And Satan himself comes to tempt him. And after you've been fasting for 40 days, Satan decides, I'm going to tempt him by just telling him, you know, you have the power to turn these stones into the food. And this was Jesus' response. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus, in the midst of the adversity of that moment, with all the power he had to make a choice to eat, he decided, I will use Scripture to fend off this temptation. And it's a quote of the Old Testament. So not only did he use Scripture, and we have this for our own record, but 
He himself knew the Old Testament to quote that to the enemies. And then right after this, Satan left. You see this picture of if you really want to change and you want the power of God to transform the decisions that you make and the relationships that you have, the Word of God is your greatest help. God Himself living within you and it's Him counseling you through the Scriptures. Yep, you want to do that because my Word says this. You don't want to do that because my Word says this. And as you're going about your day, that is what is fueling you. That's the energy, the real energy that can transform us. Um, if, if you've never committed your life to Christ and church and Christianity seems like maybe another option in the medicine cabinet or something that you're looking for, I, I hope that you will commit your life to Christ. Because when you, when you do follow and surrender your life to Him, that is where change happens. It cannot happen outside of that real, lasting change. If you are a Christ follower and you're just stuck or apathetic or concerned that, you know, I'm just not getting anywhere, just not making progress, what you want to do is remember the Spirit of God lives within you. As you sin, don't beat yourself up. Like you know better. The old desire is there. You confess. You repent. And move on. And walk with God. Walk with God. That, that's, the, that's the hope that we have. Wherever we are, God offers the power we need for lasting change. Are there some next steps that you can take this morning as a result of the Scriptures and the message? The first thing is the Scripture that I just read you could memorize. Matthew 4, 4, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Second, when I sin this week, I'll confess and repent instead of beating myself up. If you're a Christ follower and you just are in a rut of this, ask for help from someone else, but, but deal with God. Confess the sin. And then third, for the first time, I'm, I'm deciding to accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as Lord. So those are a few things. You can also jot some other notes on your, um, on your listening outline as well. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the true power that you give us found in you and you alone. I know even in my own life I look for substitutes all the time, for patchwork, things that externally make it seem better, but within me, don't help. And God, I, I just ask for all of us to see that outside of you, it, it is hopeless, but within you we have the hope that we need to change. And we do have you on our side. You don't stand against us, but you, you want all of us to come to know you. And for those that are still deciding about that decision, I pray that your spirit will move them to follow you. And for those of us that are discouraged or apathetic or just tired, not exactly sure how to keep moving forward in following you, I, I pray for refreshment and encouragement in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.